Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again, and today is September 11th. Years ago, seems like a lifetime ago, really, a young engineer named Nick roused me out of my rack. plane just hit the World Trade Center. Took me a minute to kind of wake up and get out there, turn the corner, look at the TV, get there just in time to see the second plane hit. We knew then it wasn't an accident, and we knew what that meant. So we did what I think most men of our ilk would have done. We grabbed a beer and a board game called Risk, sat there and watched people die live on TV, knowing a whole bunch of other people were about to die, because somebody was going to pay for that. See, the thing is, among the casualties that day, from the three towers in New York, that field, and the Pentagon, there's one casualty that never gets listed, never gets named. It's not on any memorial. But it was mortally wounded that day. We didn't know it at the time, though. We were too busy. Too busy putting yellow ribbons on our cars, looking for a flag to pick up and wave, or picking up a gun, traveling halfway around the world to kill people we never met, and most of them didn't have anything to do with what happened that day. But nonetheless, that casualty got closer to flatlining with each new law that got passed. Freedom's breath got more and more shallow with every right and every freedom the government took from you. Prior to September 11, 2001, a lot of the things that seem normal today were unthinkable. The idea of U.S. forces being engaged in torture, the idea of indefinite detention, <laughs> the idea that the government would have a record of you watching this video. And that was something out of some science fiction movie showing the worst that could happen. Today, it's reality because we're scared and because we lost the war on terror. I know there's some people who are going to say, no, 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 we did. We lost it. Game over. See, terrorism isn't random. Terrorism is not uh, just killing for killing's sake and hoping to scare people. Terrorism is very strategic. In fact, the definition, the real definition of terrorism is the use of violence or the threat of violent acts designed to influence those beyond the immediate area of attack to achieve a political, religious, ideological, or monetary goal. That's terrorism. And that key thing there is beyond the immediate area of attack. It's not about killing. It's about provoking a reaction. And in most strategies of terrorism, the idea is to provoke an overreaction. Those responsible for the September 11th attacks couldn't have wished for the response that happened. I mean, that, that is the best case scenario. The American people just basically, here, take my rights, take my freedom. Because that's what they need. They need the government to overreact and clamp down. You see, then the average person, person out here in the real world, they get mad. When you go to get on an airplane and you get groped by the TSA, 
You get mad at some Middle Eastern guy. You get mad at the government. And that's the idea. The idea is that it ferments rebellion and resistance to the government. Eventually, this causes the downfall of that government. That's, that's the concept. That's the strategy behind terrorism. And the reason people use it is because it works. Now, normally, <laughs> the government, the target government, isn't so willing to go along with it. Um, but in this case, freedom. You know, they packaged it, they sold it. And now, decade and a half later, they got people <laughs> basically believing the more freedom you give up, the more you support freedom. I mean, you have people in positions of government saying we were just following orders. It's called the Nuremberg defense. They got hung. Anyway, the, uh, the thing is we can't let this become normal. We can't let this become normal. And the reason I, I'm, I'm saying this is because I got a feeling judging from the comments on all these videos that all these years it's been you guys y'all been giving freedom CPR but at the same time I see something in the comment section a lot that just kind of blows my mind everybody's talking about <laughs> how to vote freedom back nobody in power is going to give you your rights back they all sell you this under the idea that it's temporary it's not they're not going to return these freedoms. You're not going to dismantle the, the surveillance state or the police state by voting somebody into office. They don't care. We, we've passed that point. We're at the point now where we have two options. You know, when you want to ch change someone's mind, you have two things you can do. You can put a new idea in their brain or you can put a bullet in it. I'd really like to focus on putting a new idea out there. And the idea is that we've got to do this from the bottom up. We have to do it at the community level. You're going to defeat an overreaching government by ignoring it. You know, and in, in that vein, I've come up with a couple ideas I'd like to run by you. Here's some things that I think can be done at the local level, at the community level, that will help reinstill the idea that freedom is not doing what the government tells you to do. And the first part about that is teaching the children quietly. And that is making sure that your kids know that this isn't normal. See, above all, the thing that we have to do at all costs is to never allow this to become normalized. We can't let the idea of soldiers, they're police officers, they got badges, but now they're in MRAPs and carrying the same weapons people carried in overseas. They're soldiers on street corners. We can't allow the idea of constant surveillance to become normal. We have to fight it. And the way you fight that is you make sure that your kids know that it's not right, that it's not normal. And in that sense, you're kind of planting a shade tree that you're never going to get to sit under. 
but you're creating a generation of people that know it's wrong. You've got to prepare for the worst. It's one of the other things that I think <laughs> we need to focus on. Because A, as we saw during the hurricanes last year, and as we're about to see again, the government didn't come to help. Okay? <laughs> they don't care. They don't care about you. FEMA's not going to come help. So you need to become self-reliant. And you need to be able to take care of yourself and your community in the event of a natural disaster. Now, the reason this aids in the idea of instilling freedom is because the more self-reliant you are, the less dependent on government you are. The less dependent on government you are, the less they have to hold over you. Most of the great movements in this country have realized this. Now, I mean, and you can look to black activists in the 60s and 70s who basically came up with the idea for food stamps. Um, and they ran it themselves. They distributed food to help build that self-reliance in their community. To the right-wing militia guys out there ready for doomsday. Self-reliance. It's important. Counter-economics. Counter-economics is something that's uh, it's a fancy word <laughs> for basically meaning to kind of starve the government because they, they kind of leech off of every economic transaction you make. Now, to people my age and older, that means, you know, silver, gold, reduce, reuse, uh, repurpose, recycle. Uh, barter. To those younger, there's this cryptocurrency thing, Bitcoin. Now, I understand the premise of it. It's basically a, a currency that isn't backed by a government, and man, that sounds cool. Uh, and then, you know, with, with a lot of the, the hippier people today, <laughs> I don't know what, what to call them, uh, you know, farmers markets, organic growing, Growing your food, not lawns. Did a video on that. Um, all of that helps keep the money local. Which means it doesn't go to these big corporations, which then turn around and give it to the government. Give it to politicians in the form of bribes or campaign contributions, whatever. So we've got to start focusing on that. Um... Your circle of friends, if you're serious about this and you want to really get into the fight, you have to surround yourself with other people who are in it. And again, I really do believe y'all the ones have been keeping freedom on CPR. Y'all the ones have been keeping it alive. Um, so I, I think it's important that that happens and that you guys support each other. The other thing is to look out for the downtrodden. Look out for those that are that have kind of hit the hit the bottom. Because those people more than anybody are going to understand how messed up things got. And that goes to the homeless vet that everybody's going to pretend they care about today, even though if they did, we wouldn't have homeless vets. Um to the guy that just got out of the joint because, you know, he got wrapped up selling dope. 
you know, some nonviolent crime that now his life is ruined. But maybe you own a business and give him a job, help get him back on his feet. Maybe you can kind of help out with that. These are people that understand freedom and understand the loss of it. These are people that are probably more willing to get involved and get active than you might imagine. And then, I've touched on this in other videos, and I've hinted to it, <laughs> but I've never really come out and said it. The uh, U.S. Army Special Forces, it's the most feared fighting unit in the world, the Green Berets. The reason they're the most feared fighting unit in the world is not because they're such adept killers. I mean, they are, don't get me wrong. But the reason other governments are afraid of them is because they're teachers. They show up in a foreign country and they take the local populace and they train them. And that 12-man team can fill the battalion of soldiers in no time. That's terrifying. You need to be a force multiplier. That's what they call it, force multiplication. You need to get out there. You, you've got to start talking to people. Do it on Facebook. Do it in real life. Talk about what we've lost. Talk about how we can fix it. And build your community. Because if your community is strong enough, what happens in D.C. doesn't matter. Because you can ignore it. And at the end of the day, that's how this is going to have to play out. Unless we want it to get really bad. We're going to have to defeat a government that is very overreaching by ignoring it. You know, the face of tyranny is always mild at first. And we're there right now. We really are. And if we don't pay attention, we're going to lose the ability to get it back. So, uh, something to think about this today. Y'all have a good day. So that was my September 11th video from last year. Since then, had a lot of questions about how to actually do what I'm talking about there at the end. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more in depth when we come back. But first, we've got to pay some bills, so here's an ad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Okay, so normally when I start talking about community building, anytime I put out a video about it, I get two questions almost immediately that start flooding the inboxes. The first is, how do I set it up? And what people are looking for is a template. They're looking for something to uh, base their network off of, base their community off of, and set it up like that. The problem is there isn't one. Your, your network's going to be very different than mine. My network is a bunch of guys spread out over 60 miles, some of them on the other side of the country. All you really need is a commitment to mutual assistance. And it starts there. 
with that. Everybody helping in the ways that they can. And you build that network from there. And then everything else that was talked about can happen. But it has to start with everybody committing to helping each other. So obviously the best way to start this off is with your close friends. The other question I get is, well, I don't know how to start it. And it took me a long time to really figure out what people were asking. And what they're really asking is, how do you start the conversation where you're going to broach this topic that seems so foreign to so many people who have become dependent on outside influences? How can you, at the same time, advocate self-reliance and building a network? So how do you start the conversation? You have the perfect opportunity coming up next month. Halloween. Halloween is a time where people expect to get together, or you can get them together at least. So what I would suggest is getting those close friends, those people who you would, A, want to be in the network, and B, would be interested in it, and C, have something to offer. Get them together. And it doesn't really matter how, because Halloween is perfect for it, because everything about it ends up being about situations in which you would want help. It's kind of what Halloween is in the way we celebrate it in the U.S. So you could do uh, an escape room game or something like that. And you get people already starting to talk about being cooperative. And, And in that case, you are being cooperative to win the game. You could start with that. And then just, hey, you know, there's a lot of smart people here. What if we started, you know, helping each other in our real lives in different ways? And if you can, come up with a list of ways you could help everybody that's going to be there. That you personally could assist everyone. The other way to do it is watch uh, horror movies, zombie movies especially, because it gets them in that mindset. It gets them in in the idea of needing a group and then go from there. Do we really need zombies to make us help each other? Think about how far we could go if we would just commit to helping each other in our real lives. That's how society started. And in a lot of ways, because we've drifted so far away from that, from that idea of helping each other, from that idea of mutual assistance, we've started relying on people a thousand miles away to tell us what to do. We've lost that base block of civilization. And now we're at a loss. We, we don't know what to do. Sometimes we have to get back to basics. Your network, your close circle of friends. And then let it expand naturally. If you have this conversation and you get them interested in it, I've got a series on YouTube. Um, It's called How to Change the World. I think it's three parts over the fifth column, How to Change the World. That's it. That's all it takes. And just go from there. Watch it with them. See what they say. See what, you know, whether or not they like me. That'd be great. Um... And just move on, move towards that goal of developing a society within a society, a network that can help build your community 
without relying on others. If you can do that, you can defeat a government that is overreaching by ignoring it. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good night.